in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The warhorse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. For those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mel. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Brighton, like John said, and um, I uh, am a student at Westminster going into my last year, so one of the faithful few here left, it feels like, after graduation, but uh, here we are. Um, so this morning, we're going to continue in Psalms, so we've been in Psalms for a while, and we're going we're gonna to jump right into Psalm 33, so, um, but before we do, I would like to... Uh, I would like to pray for our time this morning. So if you would just join me uh, this morning in prayer. Lord God, we, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you uh, that you have spoken. God, that you have not left us to wonder who you are. That as, uh, as we meet with you, as we meet with one another here this morning and come before you in your word, God, I pray that uh, anything of me would fall dead to the floor, God, and that your word would be lifted high. God, that you would be lifted high here this morning as we praise your name. And so, God, we pray that you would bless this time, and, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So in college, I had this roommate who we would lovingly make fun of, as you do, um, because, you know, this is how you show love, is to gently make fun of. That's how you know that you are loved by somebody. And, and we would make fun of him, because every time he would get into his car, he would spend, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes at least picking the perfect Spotify playlist. 
And so maybe this is you, maybe you do this and that's fine, but uh, even if he was just going like five minutes, we lived off campus, it was only a five minute drive to campus, anytime he would offer to give us a ride, we would say no thanks and we would walk and we would still beat him there. Um, but to him, this playlist was really important. For, for him, it kind of set the mood for the day. And for him, it, it really meant uh, that it was kind of setting the tone for classes, setting the tone for where he was going, even if he was just only going five minutes away. And I mean, think about this. Think about when your favorite song comes on the radio or I guess your Apple Music or Spotify playlist. Your initial instinct is to what? Your initial instinct is to at least turn it up, right? And maybe sing along even if you can't sing that well. But music is powerful for us. Music is, is there's something special about music. Uh, what we listen to affects our moods. What we listen to, what we sing especially, matters. And so I did a quick Google search, just kind of for fun, uh, to, to really look at the, the, the impact that music has on us. And uh, these aren't from a Christian perspective, this is just like, some of it was really dense scientific research that I definitely skimmed, but this is what I found. Um, some people, and maybe you're one of these people, some people get goose, goosebumps or goose pimples as they listen to music. Uh, and, and there's really actually no, uh, they really don't know why this happens. Like, there, there's really not a lot of, like, when you read all these really boring uh, articles, basically they say, ah, some songs elicit emotion so intense that it actually causes tears. And, I mean, maybe you have that song. I've, I've had a song that I've listened to for, I don't know, 100, 100 times or something, and it still makes me tear up, right? Emotion is really strong, and, and sometimes it's deeper than what words can actually express. Studies also suggest that music can help with uh, depression and anxiety, uh, that, it can, that it can help us in those times, but it also suggests that it can kind of uh, promote violent or angry behaviors as well on the other end. And maybe you've heard of music therapy. Music therapy is kind of a whole field that's really around the use of music as a, as a tool in specific situations, and particularly uh, with people with Alzheimer's or dementia, there is, uh, there's this kind of phenomenon where if they listen to a song from their childhood and their loved ones are there singing with them, singing along, they may actually be able to recover some memories that were lost. And so uh, this isn't from the research, but this is kind of my own opinion. Imagine watching Lord of the Rings without any music. No score, no beautiful melody as you pan across the Shire, nothing. It would be a very different experience than what it is with the music, right? And so music is powerful. It's hard for us to, to imagine and to ignore, the, at least, the impact that music has on us. But today, we, have, we want to talk about why the Christian sings. Why does it matter for us this morning? What does it have to do with us? Well, we're, we're spending our summer in the Psalms, which... Uh, spoiler alert, is a collection of songs, actually, a large collection of songs uh, that, that really show us uh, how God's people sing. They show us what's this, right? So, so we're going to ask a question, really, what does the song of the Christian sound like? What, what does our song, why is it different here on Sunday mornings than anywhere else? Because this is weird, let's be honest, right? You, where else do you go that you show up and you sing songs with a group of people throughout a week and it's not like a concert, right? Something's different. So what is it? 
So Psalm 33, I think, helps us understand this. It helps us uh, give us a model of, of, of why the Christian sing, sings and, and really what the Christian's song sounds like. And so our text today, it shows us that the Christian's response to God's deliverance is to sing joyous praise to God for who he is, for what he has done, and should be marked by, his, marked by hope in his steadfast love. And so we're going to look at this psalm and we're going to uh, ask what is the Christian's song and what does it sound like? And here's where we're going if you like a roadmap. The Christian song is a song of joy, it is a song of truth, and it is a song of hope. Okay, so keep your Bibles open. We're going to dive into this psalm. We're going verse by verse uh, and, and we're going to place God's word at center stage this morning as we dig in. So take a look at uh, chapter 33. We're looking at verses 1 through 3, and we will see that the Christian song is a song of joy. So this, this psalm is actually unique because what, if you noticed, uh, it doesn't actually have a heading. Uh, a lot of the songs have a heading. This one doesn't. There's only two in the first 41 psalms that don't have a heading, and this is one of them. So in ancient Hebrew, actually, the, the, the Psalm 33 is kind of tacked on with Psalm 32. So they're kind of like one big, long psalm. And uh, it's a natural extension of Psalm 32. And so we're going to take a second and just look at uh, Psalm 32 uh, to help us understand why Psalm 33 is here. What is it doing? Why, why, why is it here? And so uh, if you take a, take a quick little skim through Psalm 32, um, what you'll see is that this psalm is all about God's forgiveness. It's all about God, right? And, and if you look at the very last verse in Psalm 32, 11, uh, this is the natural conclusion. When, when, when you're reflecting on God's great works, his, his mighty work to, to deliver, to save us, the natural response then in verse 11 is this. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. See, God, God shows his great mercy in saving his people, and their natural response is to shout for joy. And so Psalm 33, then, is the expectation. It is the example of verse 11 here. It is the natural continuation because read, read them back to back. Verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Shout for joy in the Lord, O ye righteous. Praise befits the upright. You see, it runs right together because it's the same. It, it, this, is the, this is now the praise that is coming from the, the psalm previous, where he's reflecting on the deliverance and the salvation that is found in God. So God's people, we're a singing people. We are a people who, who sing because there are some things, like the works of God, that that can't just be expressed in words, but that, that, are, that, that require something deeper, the deeper emotion of, of, of music. And so we are a singing people, but we have a purpose. We sing because of God, because of God's work. And we sing to somebody. We sing to God. Where you sing along to your favorite song, you may not be singing to somebody. But here, we're singing to and for and because of God. This is why we sing, and we sing because when we reflect on we experience deep joy. At least we should experience deep joy, and this joy 
is, is the overflow of this joy is the Christian's song. Take a look at, at, at verse 2. It shows us that this joy that, that befits the upright, this praise that befits the upright, says give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, which is kind of like a stringed instrument, uh, and, and make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. This is why we play, we play guitars, we play drums, we play pianos. All of this stuff is done to and for God. Verse 3, sing to him a new song and play skillfully on the strings with, with loud shouts. We, we play instruments, we sing. Why? Because of the work of God, because of the joy that we have, because of what God has done. And verse 3, when it, when it says uh, the word there, uh, skillfully, this word can also be translated beautifully. This new song in, in the wake of God's deliverance, it is a beautiful song to the Lord. This is why harmonies are beautiful. This is why when we all sing together uh, with instruments or without, it is beautiful. And there's actually a consistent pattern uh, that will help illustrate this kind of throughout Scripture, where, where God delivers His people. When He saves them, there's an immediate response of a new song. So uh, there's going to be a pretty nice list on the screen uh, this is just a brief glimpse of, of the scripture where we see new songs bursting forth from God's people in response to something that God has done, particularly in response to God saving them. And after God delivers Israel, he, he, he takes them out of Egypt, uh, out of slavery, and he uh, helps them escape across the sea, and he parts through the sea with Moses, right? And then they are able to walk through the sea, and then uh, Egypt cannot Right after this event, in, in Exodus 15, Moses sings a song. It's a song of, of deliverance. His immediate response is to sing thankfulness and praise to God for his deliverance. And in Numbers, we see God's people sing a song when uh, God promised to provide them with water. They were wandering around in the desert, so water is pretty important. And God says, I will give you this water. And then Israel sings a song in response. Deborah and Barak, they sing a song in Judges 5 about God's faithful protection of his people, but also in his faithfulness to give them the land. Psalms are written by David. Uh, but his natural response in uh, 2 Samuel 22, when God saves him from his enemies, and these are military enemies that are out to kill him, uh, it was a song of praise. And then later he has a song of thanks in 1 Chronicles 16. Mary sings a song when she's pregnant with Jesus in Luke 1. She's singing a song because she knows that Jesus, who she's currently pregnant with at the time, is the ultimate deliverance of God. The saints, the Christians, they will sing a new song. See this in Revelation 14 and 15. We celebrate the, the, the Lamb of God, the victory of God uh, in uh, eternity. And this isn't just limited, and this isn't on the screen, but this isn't just limited to the response of God's people, but, but all of creation sings the praises of God. And Jesus says this during his, uh, his entry into Jerusalem, uh, right before his uh, crucifixion in Luke 19.40. He says that if the people were not singing my praise, then, then the very stones would cry out his praise. So in the first few verses, and with a little bit of help from Psalm 32, we can see that the song that the Christian sings is, is, is different. The song that we sing is, is because of something that has been done by God. 
It is because of who God is, and it is joyful. It is beautiful. It's directed towards God, towards something. It's for an end, too. And uh, now we're going to move into the middle section of the psalm where this is really the content of the song. And I've alluded to a lot of it because uh, it's hard not to. But the, this is the content of the Christian song. And ultimately, we're going to see the truth, but they should be concerned about God's truth for sure. Uh, but they should be concerned that this is the content of what they're singing. This is why we're very careful with the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings, because the content has to reflect these characteristics that we're going to talk about. The content is important, right? Now, it's rooted in this joy of emotion, this deep emotional joy, but there's something true in it, right? And uh, this is kind of a kind of a, like a, I guess, a, an offensive point that Christians have, right? In a world where, uh, you know, truth doesn't really exist. In a, in a world where truth is just kind of relative and it is kind of what you make it, right? This is the world that we live in, but, but the Christian actually says, no, there is an objective truth and it's God's truth. In a world that refuses to believe this, Christians actually say, no, there is truth. And how, is, how do we know that there's truth? Well, how do we know God? Well, well we, can, we can do this because God's word is, because God's word, the Bible, is from him. God hasn't left himself unknown, right? And our God has spoken, and our God is truth. Because who he is, he is true. He is upright. This is what this word means. And because he has made himself known, because we can know God, we can know truth. And if we trust God and we believe God in who he is, then we know that this truth is actually truth. And Psalm 33 breaks this content down in, in, in the praise of truth of God in, in his word and in his work and also in his rule. Uh, so God's word and work. Verse 4, Psalmist declares that God's word and work is both done uh, is both true and is both done in faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness to what? Well, faithfulness to who God is. In verse 5, God is righteous. He loves justice and he is loving so much so that it overflows throughout creation as we move on. That he, he loves righteousness and justice and the earth is full of, his, of the steadfast love of the Lord. And in Genesis 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, how did he do it? He did it by his word. He did it by speaking everything into existence. There was nothing, and God spoke, and things came into existence. This is God's, the power of God's word. God speaks by his true and his faithful word and man and woman were brought into existence. You and I were brought into existence by the very word of God. See, God is being praised here in verses 4 through 5 because of the very fact that he is God. He's being praised here because of who he is. And in verse 6 through 7, we see that this, it is this very God who spoke everything into existence. And, and, and we, really, we must recognize here that that our praise to God is one that recognizes the fact that he is God and we are not. Our praise to God, we don't rule over him. 
This is the implicit, uh, this is the implication of this text is that, is that we are God's creatures, we are God's creation, and he is our creator. And it's clear that this is what the psalmist is communicating because uh, this, this humble worship before God when we read verses 8 through 9. I mean, follow the logic here, right? Okay, so, so we have the content of this praise, which is rooted in the joy. Let's not forget that. Because of what God has done, there is joy. And now we, but the content is true, and this truth is rooted in what? Who God is, because he is, he is upright, because he is faithful, because of who God is, and because he's created all things, because he is the creator of everything that exists, including you and I. Then our response to God's truth is to stand in awe of him. In verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He created everything, including you, which means you should stand in awe of him. And so there's a recognition here that, that our worship is in submission to God. Because of who he is, because he is the creator this is our response. This is the truth that the word that God himself has revealed to us. We stand in awe of who he is. And it's exactly because of this, that, that because he is the creator of all, because, because of these things, that, that all people should sing praises to him. <clears throat> but God is not a distant God. The God who created everything, then he didn't sort of just like kick back and cross his fingers and really hope everything worked out. That's not the picture we get in the Bible, okay? And that's, that's sometimes what people want uh, in our culture to want us to believe because it's much easier to believe that he's not involved and we're actually in control. That's not what the Bible shows us. Scripture is clear that God is actively involved in the orchestration of all things according to his will. And so this is the next true part of uh, the, the song that we sing is God's, uh, God's sovereign will, God's uh, rule over us. Verse 12, or verse 10 through 12, they make it clear that God's divine will is not like the desires of man. Uh, the creator has authority over creation, and when creation, uh, when you and I, right, plot in vain against God especially, uh, our plans are frustrated. In other words, they don't happen. As hard as we try, sometimes things don't work out. There are things that are out of our control. But God's counsel is true. God's, uh, God's word stands forever. So God's plans cannot be thwarted. They can't be undermined by you and I. God is, as the creator, as the king, ruling, and his will will be done. And this is, this is actually such a blessing to God's people right? Because God's people, when they submit to his will, we can know that it will last and that it will be true. Whereas if we're relying on ourselves or on our own will, it's not going to last. And it probably won't even happen. We've all been there. And I do feel the need to, to mention just at least briefly as we move forward, uh, verse 12 uh, a bit more specifically, because if you search for sermons on this text, what you're going to find is a lot of sermons about how America is God's chosen nation. And uh, I want to just be very clear, that's not what this verse is about, okay? Uh, so, so what is it about? Well, it's not about 
uh, America or Canada or the UK or name a country. It's not about that. But this verse is actually specifically about Israel. Read verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his inheritance. This this is a, a, a poetic way of saying, blessed is Israel, because they're God's people, right? And so uh, Israel in the Old Testament is referred to as God's son, right? God's uh, chosen son, chosen people. And this is ultimately perfectly. And he was faithful to God and where Israel wasn't. And it is through Christ, through his, his sacrifice, through his death and resurrection on the cross that he actually welcomes us into this nation, where he actually adopts us as sons and daughters into this kingdom, into this nation where, where God sits on the throne. This is, why, uh, this is why Peter can say in 1 Peter 2.9 that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Brothers and sisters, citizenship, this is, this is your family. That if, if you are in Christ, you have now been brought into this nation that is, that is referenced here in verse 12. And notice also that it's so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who brought you from, from darkness to light, from death to life. In other words, so that you may sing this song and that it may be true of you, that it may be joyous, that it may be your one hope. This is, this is your song of praise as well because you've been brought into this nation that this blessing, that the na- blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage, that's the church. That's his people. And so it's important to keep in mind this, especially because we want to be clear what the text says and not make it say something we, we want it to say that it, that it doesn't say but also because where he's going next, the imagery is even more clear because the imagery is helpful as we keep in mind because now he's talking about God as the the king, the ruler who sits on his throne, right? So we are the nation and he is our ruler. So this is where we're going in verses 13 through 17. uh, And and, uh, it says, uh, verses 13 through 17 says, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man from where he sits enthroned. He looks out at all the inhabitants of the earth. And see, God is our ruler. He sits on the throne. He looks down. He sees all. And it's clear, again, that God is not blind. He is not distant, but he's, he sees all. And then we get this, uh, this great, uh, very modernly applicable, right, uh, verse in verse 16 through 17. It says, The king is not saved by his great army, and a warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. This is a very old-timey way of saying, the works of your hands cannot save you. This is a very old way of saying, the things that you have done or that you try to do to dig yourself out of this hole, it's not going to work. That is a false hope of salvation. So, so when, you, when you try to, to become right with God through your own works, It's a false hope of salvation. They cannot save you. 
This is, this is what those two verses mean. And I, I don't know about you, but when something goes wrong, my actual response is to actually, uh, well, well, not literally, but to put my hope in the army or the, the war horse, right? Because the things that I can do, the things that are in my control, surely uh, I can just kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps. And, and maybe you've been there. And how often do we look to ourselves instead of to the Creator, to our, to our King, all things, and when you say it like that, it kind of sounds silly, like, of course he has more power than me. But sometimes we don't act that way. And, and this morning we praise God because the joy that we have is because of his deliverance that he, is, he, is, he has given us. But it is rooted in this truth, the truth of who God is and the fact that he's the creator of all, the one who is, uh, the one who has not left us without him, who has reached into uh, to us, uh, into our world, to, uh, to orchestrate all things according to his will. And this is uh, verse 18. We're going to move into verse 18 through 19 here. Uh, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Now the question is, what happens when things aren't going well? What happens when things seem like everything is against you? Diagnosis. Maybe it's a sudden death in the family. Maybe it's something else, and, and, and you seem like everything is against you. What, what does your song sound like then? Well, the Christian song is our last point here, is a song of hope. See, in verse 13, God looks down and he, he sees all the children of man. But in verse 18, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Those who hope in his steadfast love. And, and what, is, what is this hope? The hope of, this, of his steadfast love, of, of, of God's faithful love. It's the hope that God will, verse 19, deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. This is the hope. This is the hope that the psalmist has. This is the hope that the psalmist is giving us. This is what our song of hope sounds like. Our song of hope sounds like the praise of God's steadfast love that has the power to deliver our soul from death, and, and to keep us alive in famine, to keep us alive during those really tough times where we, we, we struggle sometimes to believe this. This is the hope that we, we hold on to, and it's the only hope that we can have that, that brings us actually from death to life. It's not like the war horses. It's not like the army that is a false sense of salvation. This is real, true salvation. This is real deliverance. God's steadfast love is a love that is rooted in the truth of who he is. It's according to his word, and it's proved time and time again through his gracious work. And, and once again, if you turn back to Psalm 32, this time verse 10, it contrasts those who do not fear the Lord uh, and, and those, who do, uh, those who do not submit to him as their God. Verse 10 says this, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, 
but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. My friends, without God, the sorrows uh, of this world, we're left without any hope. That's what that verse is saying. The sorrows of the wicked are many. Without God, without uh, their hope and deliverance of God, which they, they have by, by being in his, uh, in his nation, right? With him as their ruler, as their king, as their creator, by standing in awe of him and praising him. So we try to fix ourselves, and this may work for a while. We, we, we temporarily may and his deliverance, his faithful love and deliverance is eternal. And it will last forever. In the Christian's song of hope, it has a, has a beautiful melody that resounds from the songs that we sing here on Sunday morning, and from the song that the church sings across time and space. And that's, that, that melody's name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the steadfast love of God incarnate. He is the faithful love of God who came to bring us into God's family, into God's nation, and to ultimately do what what, what God can only do, to bring us from death to life. This is the hope that we sing. This is the hope that we have, and that, that we were hopeless without Christ. Christ is the way that we are made right with God. Christ is the way that we are brought into this great hope. And so so we sing praises to him through through the blood of Christ, which which actually has brought us into this family, uh, and it was shed so that we may be brought from darkness into his marvelous light, like Peter says. And so it's in this hope that we find ourselves actually right back at the beginning, We look to Christ, and we see his deliverance. And what is that deliverance? What is the natural response to God's salvation in Christ? Praise. That response is a joy overflowing and directing our hearts and our eyes back to God's saving work that he has accomplished in Christ. And so this is kind of the pattern that goes, and there's ups and there's downs as we praise our God, our creator. But the Christian's response to God's work, to God's deliverance, is to sing joyous praise to God for who he is and what he has done, marked by our hope in his steadfast love. So, so let me ask you this question by way of application. What song do you sing? And I'm not talking about what's on your Spotify playlist that you spent 10 minutes before your journey trying to do. But what song, and, and, and to be fair, that does matter, right? Like what you listen to, as we looked at some of this really weird science research, there's, there's something there that matters. It really affects us. So maybe that's a great application. If you're listening to stuff that is making you angry, stop listening to that. <laughs> but, 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 but what does your life, what is the song, what do people see when, when, when they uh, meet you, when they come into contact with you? Is it evident that, that you have a song that is different, that, that, that you are overflowing with a joy that is really unexplainable but really attractive to the people that don't have it? Does, does that define you? Does that, does that describe your life? Does that describe your relationship with God? And now here's the tough question. Uh, what about when you feel hopeless? What about when things aren't going well? Do you still sing of God's steadfast love? Do you still sing God's hope? 
And uh, to get very practical, uh, the studies that I read on this, back to those from the beginning, the way that music affects us. Let me just suggest something, that, that maybe we listen to more biblical worship, more, more praise in our day-to-day, and, and see how that affects our day-to-day life. Because we, we, we move away from just like, you know, whatever your typical playlist, not saying that you can't listen to that, but specifically because we know that there is something deep about this. What would happen if we did that? What would happen if we were praising God more often? Even when we don't want to, even when we find it hard, let the music, the Word of God, the biblical uh, roots of those songs that are, are being sung, and the saints that are singing them give you hope. When you can't bring yourself to have that hope, you know it's there. You know it's there. There are people here who, uh, who are feeling hopeless. And those people may or may not be Christians, but there's something very special and very encouraging about the way that we get together and we all sing praises, not just to God, but to one another when we can't, uh, when we can't feel this hope, when we struggle in, our, in this life. And, and I'm usually sitting in the very back, and, and Trinity is a, is a singing church, let me tell you. If I can hear in the very back the very loud voice that is coming from these pews, we're singing to, to one another when we can't feel this hope. And, and, and it's okay. It's, it's, it's an up and down. It's a struggle. But this is why we need the church, right? Here's another, the, another question is, is when, we, when we mess up, right, when we sin and we know we've sinned, uh, how do we respond? And, and I'm not suggesting to praise God for your sin, okay? That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is... is uh, it, is do we, do we run straight to just shame and, and, and guilt so much so that it actually drives us further into our sin? Because repentance, when we repent from our sin, what does it do? It's actually something that turns us towards something, right? So if you're repenting from your sin, are you actually making that turn towards praising God for his deliverance, for that sin that you just committed? Oftentimes we miss that step in our sin and we're stuck in our shame. Oh, the joy is praise right? Of course, proper repentance. I mean, there's plenty of Psalms that we can read about this. But how do you respond when you mess up, when you sin? And if you're a Christian here today and you don't feel the way that this Psalm is describing, um, if this isn't what your song sounds like, uh, then I'd encourage you to, to pray that God would make this your song. That God is the one who, who, who will, will bring these praises to your lips uh, when you feel like you, you can't sing. And if you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian, then, then I would encourage you uh, to look to Jesus Christ, who is your only hope in life and death. And, and hopefully you've seen something about what's different about Christians, about the, the, that when we sing, something is, is different, something is, is unique, this joy that we have. And so uh, my prayer for you is that, that, that you would, you would uh, submit to Christ, submit to God as the only way of salvation, not in the war horses or the armies or the works of your own hands, because those will not last. And if this is you, I would love to talk with you about this. I would love to talk with you about the hope that we have in Christ um, after, after the service. 
And so as we close, I'm going to pray for us all that we, we may, uh, as a church, join with one voice, a joyous voice, to sing our praises uh, to our God as we hope in his steadfast love. And so would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, who you are. God, we thank you and we praise you for who you are and what you have done. God, that you uh, have, have, have made a way where there was no way by sending Jesus Christ to, uh, to die on the cross and to bring us into your family. God, we, we pray that you would uh, give us this new song, uh, the, the song that we did not have when we were hopeless, God, but a song that we can now sing and that we can sing loudly with, with our voices, with our uh, instruments, God, uh, and that that song would be just a joyous noise to you, to us, and to those who are very curious about what this type of joy is. So God, I would pray that you would, uh, you would give us this type of, of joy and worship in our day-to-day lives as we leave here, as we gather, and uh, God, as we seek your, your will. And so God, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.